Another fabulous guest on Perkett Pod this week. Some great personalities have been joining me every week. If you get done listening to this episode and you want to check out some of our past episodes, feel free. We've had folks like Justin Morno, Lindsey Whalen, Andrew Zimmern, Levi Lavalley, such great variety, and so many more. We call them Minnesota sports influencers and icons. And today, another one of those for sure, Steve Fisher. Perk and Pond, sometimes he's at play. Perk and Pond, find out what he'll say. Perk and Pond, who's coming on today? Perk and Steve Fisher is a former snowboard champion, which brings us to Random Ranks. Steve Fisher is a serious snowboarder who specialized in halfpipe competitions. And so today on Random Ranks, we're ranking the top 11 boards that would be fun to see someone ride down a snowboard halfpipe that aren't snowboards, right? Other kinds of boards. The top 11. Number 11, surfboard. Be awesome to see somebody ride a surfboard down a half, half. Number 10, a headboard from, from your bed. Just rip it off. And, okay. Number nine, a hoverboard. <laughs> okay, back to the future. Number eight, poster board. Just go to Michael's, get yourself some poster board and shred. Number seven, a boogie board, just because I like saying it. Number six, how about a dartboard? Just, just, just go to the pub, take it down from the wall. I might, it might be tough to get some air though. Number five, you're just gonna have to like rip it out of your computer, I guess. A circuit board. <laughs> Number four, this list is making me bored. Right? Okay, the top eleven boards to ride down a half pipe. Number three, a Ouija board. <laughs> Again, it's off the rails. We're officially off the rails. No, now we are. Number two, a board of directors. <laughs> All right, I'm done. No, I'm not. Number one, an ironing board. Now, that would be sweet. Okay, enough of the ridiculousness. Time to catch up with Steve Fisher. Steve's a great dude. St. Louis Park native. I first chased him down in the early 2000s when I was covering Olympic hopefuls for the 2006 games in Torino. By that time, Steve had already been embedded among the best half-pipe competitors in the world. Like, really good. We're talking as good, even better sometimes, than household names like Sean White. Steve beat him and all of them at the Winter X Games. Top of the podium in 2004 and 2007 but eventually that spotlight faded for steve though it didn't just fade it just went out he's adjusting to the new chapter of his life but definitely has some interesting perspective on being a world champion and then all of a sudden having to transition to the world outside of sports here now my conversation from his home in breckenridge colorado steve fisher thank you for joining us on pricket pod steve it's it's exciting to talk to you again the 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 Minnesota scene um, back in the day, it was, it was, you were breaking some molds here by doing what you were doing at the level you were doing it at. And, and, but that's not to say that the, that the downhill scene uh, in, in skiing and, and then the burgeoning side of it uh, in the snowboarding uh, didn't kind of happen here in Minnesota. I mean, you look at the success of people like Christina Kosnick or, or whoever else, or, or yourself or, or Lindsay and, and, and Mason Aguirre. I mean, there was, there was some, there were some legitimate people that came out of Minnesota. That's, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Don't, don't forget Chad Otterstrom was one, um, yeah. two other guys that, um, started in Minnesota, but moved to Utah where the uh, Linus brothers, Bjorn and Eric Linus. Um, Minnesota actually has a huge, rich history of, of very talented snowboard athletes and ski athletes, which is fascinating. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. It is because the, because let's face it, the Hills here are not the Rockies, right? <laughs> right, there. Yeah, right? I mean, Highland is not like Breck. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. Yeah. Nothing, nothing like it, but I think um, one of the driving forces there that, at least for me and Mason and some of the guys of our generation have talked about is really, you know, Minnesota was, was kind of a, like a, a breeding ground for these alternative sports like skateboarding, snowboarding and all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, we grew up on very marginally decent facilities, um, you know, 
Buck Hill Highland ski and snowboard area certainly did a lot for freestyle snowboarding at the time in the nineties. And, you know, that shaped my whole career and it was great. But once you got out to, you know, true professional freestyle builders out in Colorado, out in California, um, Mount Hood, Oregon, you know, out West and um, we're on that really bigger tailored freestyle features. It, I mean, was completely game changer for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's kind of where everybody kind of had to go if they wanted to take it to the next level. But, but like, I remember what Lindsey Vaughn told me once is that like the beauty of Buck Hill or, you know, some of these other places here in Minnesota is that the runs are so short. And Mm -hmm. so the reps you get in are so many more, like you can do it so many more times, right. As opposed to just sitting all that, all that time on the lift or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. I mean, you know, when I was a kid and would, get home from school and head to Highland at four 30 or whatever it was. And then would stay till nine at night. I mean, I was probably getting like 50 plus laps in right. on the park and the half pipe and, you know, what was the half pipe back then? And, um, you know, really just so much practice and learning and, and trying new things. And, you know, part of the, back then it was team Gilboa and now it's called the G team, but, um, you know, working with coaches back then and, um, from team Gilboa, I think we, um, kind of broke off and U S Olympic community development, uh, started a snowboard program with, um, um, Amber and Allison craft as kind of the uh, coaches and admin spearheading that program. And, um, Steve Wickner, who was another local snowboard legend on the USASA kind of series, uh, was one of our coaches. Jason Landry is another guy who, um, you know, was a longtime Minnesota local legend who uh, moved out to Colorado with the cohort of Chad Otterstrom, Adam Kubinski, I mean, Jeff Meyer, so many local guys that really helped shape us younger guys. And took it all to the next level. Yeah. And that was exciting for you. I would imagine just, just making that trek out to Colorado as a teenager. Right. I mean, and, <laughs> and, and these places and entering these competitions at the junior level and then, and then all the way to where you, you, you hit some of your peaks, uh, which, which were many um, that, that must've been for a teenager to go through that and go through those high profile experiences must've been kind of a, a rush <laughs> to say the least, right? Did, were you able to, yeah. have you had the perspective on it now to kind of take it all in and go, wow, man, that was a life. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I knew while it was happening too. I mean, it, it was, I grew up in a, obviously St. Louis park, I went to high school, public school through there my whole life. And, um, you know, I was, I was the only competitive snowboard athlete at our school period, you know, and, um, while I think a handful of kids kind of casually got into snowboarding, nobody was doing it like I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, it was a, interesting period where everybody was, you know, playing the team sports stuff. And here I was doing my own thing, snowboarding, um, traveling. I I will never forget. I think I did my first grand prix professional level event when I was, um, I think it was a sophomore in high school and it was out at, um, Mount bachelor in Bend, Oregon, uh, competing against guys like Todd Richards, Rob Kingwell, um, Seth Westcott at the time, Tommy Shasheen, um, you know, like legendary, legendary pros. And here I was a 16 year old kid, just kind of like, why am I here? You know, um, I, I I was nowhere near finals. Um, but the experience was wild because, um, shortly after that, I started making finals, Mm -hmm. um, at, at these events and, you know, it took years and years of, kind of chipping away and, and, you know, still kind of practicing and learning and and doing pro level events for, um, until I was in maybe a senior fresh out of high school that I started kind of breaking into the top 10 and top five. More with world champion snowboarder, Steve Fisher, when Perkett Pod continues. But first... A great partner of the Perkett Pod podcast. It is Mike Bryant in the studio with me right now from Bradshaw and Bryant. How are things going? You've been a busy man lately. It's been, lots been going on. 
Uh, and and a lot of TV appearances as well. I mean, you've been really kind of getting the word out um, in a lot of ways, but also really just lending your expertise to so many people because you're you're a pretty bright guy. Well, people have a lot of questions, and it's it's like when a client calls, you want to make sure you get them the right information so that they can make the right decision on what they want to do. And that's justice for the injured is basically the tagline, right? You believe wholeheartedly in that. Absolutely. You want to make sure they understand their rights. You want to make sure that they understand what coverages they have, and you want to make sure they get protected as best they can. And what I like about you and and the way you present yourself uh, publicly is you really genuinely, I get the sense that you love your job. Yeah, usually, <laughs> you know, like anything else, like anything, right? <laughs> no, but I mean, there's a deep passion within you to to, to help people. Well, you want to be able to give them the answers that they need. People are looking for help. They're looking for expertise. They're looking for the right answers as best you can. You want to try to give them that if you can. And so what, if, if somebody is injured or somebody does need help, what do they do? They call our office. They check the website with minnesotapersonalinjury.com or they call 800-770-7008. Mike Bryant, thanks so much for being a partner at Percapod. Perk and I always imagine it goes from that wide-eyed, pinch-me sort of mentality to, okay, I, I I do belong here, and not only do I belong here, but I'm so competitive that I'm gonna I'm gonna get to the top, right? I mean, was that kind of the the shift? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, you know, and I will say that my parents were always so wildly supportive, and you know, just kind of very hands off. They were like, look, if however you want to take this we got your back. That's um, awesome. So, that's awesome. Cause that, yeah. that's, that's not always the case. That's, that's, that's phenomenal. Totally. No, not at all. Um, and so as I was kind of transitioning out of high school, um, I moved to Portland, Oregon, where I did a one year at Portland state university. Um, and that was kind of the deal was like, you know, you at least have to go and like try college or whatever. And, um, at that point I was, um, basically named to the U S snowboarding team. Um, <laughs> they, uh, asked me to, uh, forerun the Olympics because I was, you know, kind of on the cusp, but not quite there, which was really a shame because I've always kind of had this weird problem with timing for whatever reason, because, um, late in that season in in 2002, right after the Olympics, I started podiuming Mm. um so if it was you know just a few months later like i very well may have gone and been on the team riding with jj danny ross or tommy or whoever and um uh yeah so i foran the olympics um guys at at the olympics like trevor andrew jan michaelis um magnus sterner stefan carlson um all all these guys kind of took notice of me at that point and that's when i really kind of understood like wow i'm actually a professional (laughs) yeah yeah i think and i i think this is a podcast so people can't see it but i think i see that forerun jersey over your shoulder is that the one right yeah that's it that's sweet so so like to me when when i went to uh, a couple of winter olympics um torino vancouver and and i got to see snowboard in person half pipe specifically Mm-hmm. I, like like to me i was struck because you don't get that three-dimensional sort of uh, grasp of it when you're yeah. watching on television like and then to see it in person to see how steep it that that's what struck me is like okay because yeah. you don't get that perspective on television yeah. just how how steep the hill is i mean you yeah. you, you kind of get how big the lips are by how much air people are getting but when you actually see it in person it's just like oh my gosh that yeah. is that is def- death defying in some instances. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy because like in my whole career, I would say you know that the TV production was was good, but it, none of it really does it much justice um, as far as translatability to you know what the general public sees. Mm-hmm. Um, to them, they're just kind of like, oh, neat, you know, like they're flying through the air, but they don't understand that, you know, potentially we're, we're riding at speeds of upwards of 35 miles an hour from transition wall to transition wall, you know, 20 feet of air 
um, and and just like the the general g-force that the half pipe brings is um, something that's really hard for people to relate to. Um, yeah, you know, it's it, it's very specific, and again, I think um, you know it, it's just hard for people to grasp. What did you attribute your physical success to when like, and I, and when I think of, of the height of your career, I think of like the podiums and, and the victories at X games. And, and would you say that that was kind of like the, you know, the, the pinnacle or, or at least a couple of the pinnacles? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Um, and you know, it's really funny because hindsight, of course, um, you know, I, I definitely did not work as hard as I, I feel like I sh- would have liked now, um, and that I really kind of honed in and possessed a lot of kind of raw natural ability um, and just straight training in the half pipe and on jumps and, and air awareness and trampoline kind of stuff. But like, you know, I wasn't, um, you know, what we know now to be like complete athletic specimens by any means. I, I was just a, a snowboarder who happened to be very good at you know, my respective area. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I, again, I kind of have these key, like vivid memories of, of points in my training and, um, areas, you know, I was probably like 17. I was at Mount hood and I actually started, um, going pretty big for the first time compared to, you know, half pipes of, changed so much over time that when I started, they were, you know, 12 feet and then they were 14 feet and then they were 16 feet. And then, um, at that point they were, we were starting to see 18 foot. Um, yeah. so I got into the 18 foot and it just felt like bliss, you know, it yeah. was just natural. It was like, this is my harmonious kind of place. And, um, I started going big. I started doing tricks that I'd never really tried before. Um, you know, like, sevens nines um really starting to do kind of more corked upside down stuff mctwist switch mctwist like really just trying anything and everything and landing it and that was kind of like where it clicked on where i was like i got this you know like i know what i'm doing and i'm I, i can pretty much land anything i try a few times and that's where um for me it really kind of hit that super accelerator of trying more and more and going faster, um, you know, and just kind of really honing in on the amplitude stuff. It seemed like almost like you guys were the pioneers because it seemed like that. And I know there were, there were plenty of major talents before you, Steve, but so don't get me wrong, but it seemed like your generation, that, that wave that came up, um, whether it was yourself or Danny or Sean White or, or JJ or you know, some of these great, great athletes that you've mentioned. Um, but you guys were, I mean, that was, Sean might've got all the hype, right? Yeah. Cause he's the flying tomato or whatever, but no. And, 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 but like you guys were all beating each other regularly and it was like, you guys were all making each other better and whether or not, yeah. you know, he, he deserved all the hype or whatever. It just seemed like it was just such this, such this core of amazing talent that was really kind of taking the sport to the next level and, and exposing it to, to get it to where it is today, I think. Yes. No. And you know, it's funny because in that last podcast, we, we talked about that and I, I never really thought of it that way um, until recently, but yeah, it, it, I mean, things just got completely bonkers with a lot of the events. I mean um, from like 2003, 2004, 2005, um you know and just to name another set of guys so it was like me danny cast jj thomas andy finch Andy Abe finch, teeter yeah. elijah teeter um chris inglesman was kind of phasing out of half pipe at that point but um and then guillaume morissette who was a judge um marius otterstad who a phenomenal talented writer in, in all aspects you know pushed the envelope from time to time and then um auntie audi from oh finland. yeah and then there was also risto matala from finland mika host from finland mark Kukowski from finland um you know and it, there were just so many guys in so many different areas of the world that you know when everybody kind of got into that contest arena realm 
everybody pushed each other so hugely from run to run. It was like, oh my God, you know, how could anybody beat that? And then somebody went and I was like, oh my God, how could it, how could that be? You know, and then <laughs> right. like the third guy went and it just kept escalating and over and over. And that's how things happened. Yeah. Um, you know, Mason Aguirre, he was another one, you know, like, again, you know, he was probably like 17, 18, um, when he kind of came onto the scene. And then by the time he was 19, he was crushing it. And, um, everybody just kept going bigger and bigger and doing bigger spins and holding their grabs longer. And, you know, it, it just escalated so quickly over that decade that I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, it did. It did. And, and, and it became, it became one of the poster events for, for Olympic games. And, and yeah. I, I think what did that X games, those X games podiums champions um, do to your career? Like what, how much of a boost was that significantly with sponsorship and, and everything else? Yeah, those were huge. Um, you know, and it, it, snowboarding is a very unique sport in the sense that, there are so many different avenues one can take their career, you know, and I, I just happen to be kind of on the, the contest heavy cycle and an event um, half pipe kind of route. But, um, you know, guys were over here. Travis Rice was over on the side doing all of his amazing stuff, making movies that were um, just incredible and, um all his backcountry stuff was insane. And, yeah. you know, so there's just all these different areas and I just kind of honed in on the half pipe because that's where I found the success and um, it being a, peri a perennial kind of podium athlete at that time was, was what I really liked. It was um, just, you know, the rush you get from winning an event like those types of things is, can't, can't even imagine yeah you can't i mean it's like winning the super bowl if you're a football yeah. player it's like um winning the nba it's like lebron and you know what all the nba guys do for the nba championship kind of thing so it really was like the all-time highest in snowboarding for me at that you know during yeah. that time all right we're gonna put this on pause for now we'll be back with more perk and pod in just a bit but first, I've got Sean Bernard here in the studio with me from Edina Realty, such a great partner of Perkett Pod. Couldn't do it without you, Sean. How is the real estate business? I would imagine with winter over, it's jamming again. It is. And, you know, it, it kind of jammed even at the end of winter. People are were really wanting to buy and sell. It, lately, it's been a lot of my friends whose parents are kind of moving on to that next chapter of their life, and I'm helping them sell mom and dad's home. So, you know, a lot of guys our age, I think we're not too far off. Our parents are tending to downsize and kind of moving into that condo, that townhouse, that sort of thing. So if you know somebody is looking to buy or sell, 612-859-2594. And I also want to mention, you're also helping out the, the, the local music community as well with, with your work. Yeah, I'm a huge sports fan, as you know, but I also uh, love seeing live music. And a lot of these artists and bands, it's been a really challenging year this year. So a portion of every sale on the buy side or the sell side uh, is going to a local artist or band of the choosing of the, the buyer or the seller. Sean Bernard of Diane Realty, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And if you're listening to this podcast and you love music, I got a great podcast for you to listen to. It's The Brian Oak Show. Give that a listen anywhere you find your podcasts. Perk and Pod. Yeah, yeah. You've been getting on Clubhouse, the app, uh, that, that those great community forums where, where there's topics that that really go deep um, with a lot of people that are living in those in those spaces in those worlds and, and I, I think one of the topics you've been talking about is kind of the life after athletics and right our life after sports or or the transitioning out of you know these high profile spots and places that you guys are in and then to all of a sudden like because because it it it, it it's everybody wants you everyone wants a piece of steve fisher and then you know you you stop making some podiums and or you get hurt or whatever it is for an athlete yeah. and and then all of a sudden it's like your cold product or something is and then am i right i mean that's hard yeah. that's hard to deal with sometimes 
Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's something that's taken me a very long time to kind of talk about openly after uh, it, all, it all happened. And um, it's something that more and more um, I've been reconnecting with a lot of snowboarders of my generation after a long period of nobody talking to each other, nobody, you know, um, really communicating much anymore, but have um, really kind of rekindled all those, those friendships and relationships, you know, with people like Gretchen Blyler, JJ Thomas, Danny Cass, Danny Cass lives in Vail, Colorado now. So, I mean, you know, like we're pretty close to each other now. Mason Geary is another one who I, you know, Please. 10 years probably didn't say a word to each other. And then now we're talking every once in a while. Um, and Clubhouse was just kind of the venue that um, really lent itself to these type of awesome conversations. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but uh, Mark Sullivan, who is a longtime snowboard media uh, pioneer, uh, started a, a, we'll call it a podcast also called The Snowboard Project, where, you know, he kind of brought a lot of these things to the forefront and interviews mm -hmm. athletes, former athletes and all that stuff. And um, so I connected with him and had this idea on podcast and, um, you know, Clubhouse came along and it just was a perfect kind of venue for this type of thing that we could have these unrecorded, you know, where people could really kind of be vulnerable or feel comfortable being vulnerable that yeah. they weren't recorded and would really help them to open up to share kind of the difficulties that um, specifically professional athletes kind of face. Because it's because it's, cause it's yeah. profound, right? I mean, there's some serious mental health issues that go along with this. There can be, you yeah. know, and I think it's, um, I think it's really interesting because everybody struggles with it very differently. Um, you know, for me, I kind of went in the dark, um, didn't talk to anybody, didn't, I, I was not active on social media or anything, not that I ever have been, but, um, you know, I really kind of uh, went into my little cocoon and disappeared from the face of the earth for a while. It was super embarrassing for me being what I thought at the time was a relatively high profile athlete to totally, you know, crash landing into nothingness. Um, you know, in, in my world in snowboarding, all the contracts were stacked pretty close together as far as timing goes. So it was a case where, um, you know, in the beginning of, or I would should say the beginning of the 2011, 2012 season uh, for snowboarding, I was a professional snowboarder still looking to get back into the contests and um, continue to progress and kind of get back on the horse after the failed Olympic attempt. And um, literally within a month, you know, one after another, all of my sponsors more or less either called or emailed or didn't even do anything. And that was the end of it. Um, so for me, going for going from you know this moderately <laughs> profile snowboard competitive athlete to all of a sudden I was I was just Steve and had nothing going on and um, nothing available to me was super harsh, um, you know, and I, I'm sure plenty of general public can um, relate to that if they've ever kind of been uh, fired or, or let go out of the blue, um, laid off from their jobs. But, um, that, that really hadn't happened to me. So it was hell of a shock. Um, and like I said, so I, you know, luckily I was pretty good with money and had a bunch in savings, um, you know, and, uh, made some good investments over the years. So like I, I was, fine monetarily for a little while but at the same time you know having the rug pulled out from under you is super difficult no matter what um so I, I was kind of in panic mode as far as you know what what do I do next what can I do I don't really have a clue where to start um you know I didn't I didn't finish college I went to one year of college and I didn't finish and um I, I didn't have those kind of transition skills from what a lot of my friends had learned at, at school and um how to go out and get a job and all these things so you know and here I was um fairly embarrassed that this is all happening to me and I didn't have a backup plan and I didn't have 
you know, a good ladder to climb on to, you know, make those next steps. Um, so I called and emailed pretty much everybody I knew um, and had ever met, um, tried to reach out as far as, um, you know, hey, I don't think I'm going to continue competing anymore. You know, would you be interested in this idea? Still on the snowboard plane of things. Um, you know, kind of getting more involved in the film side of things with, you know, a, a company like Warren Miller. I uh, had a segment in there with uh, Vail Resorts in Breckenridge for a couple of years. So, you know, trying to get some companies on board with that sort of thing um, and was really not met with very much positivity whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you know, for me, that was another big slap in the face. Cause here, here I was like, well, what have I been doing for the last 20 years? You know, like what, what, what the hell? <laughs> you basically, you, you, you pour your, you pour your life and soul and heart into something. Yeah. Uh, and, and people get something out of you. I mean, these yes. are, these are, these are people that are benefiting from your success. Right. And, and, yes. and at the, especially at the level that you're at winning X games, colds and yeah. all that. I mean, this, this is significant boosts that they're mm -hmm. receiving from your skills, your persona, your brand. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they just ghost you. That is, that's super harsh. And, and, yeah. and, and frankly, uh, <laughs> I can go deeper with, with some yeah. superlatives and some probably obscenities, but like, I, I, I feel you on this. I really do. And I, I think yeah. that, and I don't, and I don't think you're alone in this, Steve. And, and, yeah. and I get the sense that, that you've kind of, kind of latched onto a community to, that, can relate to you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the really, the interesting thing that, you know, we've brought up in these clubhouse discussions is the, the fallout and the ghosting. And you know, well, I'm not saying, you know, by any means that like, you know, everybody deserves or needs, you know, a huge amount of life preserver type help because it, it always goes both ways, but uh, thank you for bringing up the fact that, you know, these, the way that these, pro athletes work is a two-way street and a two-way relationship either between a, a, a team organization and or brands and sponsorships and when those sponsorships end and the way that those the companies and the the relationships are wildly inappropriate for what the athlete has given to that company and that brand because if you look at the grand scheme of things they're really not making an obscene amount of money for what they're doing and what they're providing for that company. That company is, I mean, far outweighing on the benefit side. Um, so the, the balance is pretty lame in my opinion for a lot of people. And it's really tough because it's a, you know, free market system and this and that. But uh, one thing I will like to hit on is the fact that um, the NBA and the NFL is at least has a players union, you know, uh, uh, an organization that's for the players, by the players that they hit on these things. So a lot of those players do have access to a lot of, um, you know, really good resources for when this happens. But in my world, that doesn't exist. That doesn't, uh, that doesn't happen. You know, you're just kind of a pat on the back and pat on your tush and, have a nice life is, is where snowboarding and skateboarding and a lot of the other kind of more alternative independent sports, even Olympic sports get, um, you know, there, there's a movie called the weight of gold, which I would encourage everybody on the planet to watch. Um, while obviously it's a bit dramatic and shows like, you know, the, the really high highs and the really low lows, but all of the in-between where the athletes who, you know, absolutely kill themselves to make it, to the Olympic games and the USOC pays nothing to those athletes whatsoever. Um, they have executives in their organization that make millions of dollars or high hundreds of thousands of dollars. And these athletes who are the ones who are actually getting these people, these paychecks don't make shit. Um, which again, just that, that level of disrespect is just beyond me. Um, you know, and it's, it's all sports and it's all, and of course, you know, the, the public Joe Schmo on the couch is just like, oh, what I wouldn't give to be a pro athlete and not knowing these things. And, 
yeah, you know, the team sports guys do make a ton of money for what they're doing and, you know, they should know how to be financially stable after earning that kind of cash. But you don't know until you're in that situation and you can't relate and you can't be, um, you know, a, a couch coach for these types of things because you don't have any experience um, in it. And then the other thing that I would say is severely lacking is level of, um, um, you know, psychologists and therapists who, you know, try to promote themselves as being, you know, post-athlete specialists that aren't professional athletes themselves, don't have the experience and honestly can't relate. So that's kind of where this whole clubhouse thing came up was, that need for a place where each and every athlete, whether you're pro or amateur, you know, retired or whatever it is, has a place to speak freely because you can only have those honest conversations with people who have been through the situations and the scenarios that we're talking about. Yeah. Because I mean, you think about it, your case specifically, but I would imagine a a case that's not at all uncommon is somebody who is so immersed in their sport and they get thrust into it at the age of 15, 17, 19, or whatever, to where you're, you're at that age already traveling the world, trying to figure out how you're going to finish up your education. In oftentimes cases, people don't finish their education because mm-hmm. they are on this worldwide kind of tour of, of, yeah. of the highest of highs. And, and so there, there is sort of this, this jarring, lack of, of, uh, as you say, resources, or just even, even preparedness Mm -hmm. for those next steps. With that said, though, you also, uh, being in those high profile positions and those platforms that you're on, you are developing a lot of skills that can apply post athletic career, right? You're, you're in charge of a brand for crying out Mm -hmm. loud, marketing and, and business skills and savvy that you, that you are able to, if you're smart enough and, 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 you know, wise enough to kind of figure out along the way. So, so mm-hmm. I would imagine you, you are kind of in a place where you, and I know that it, it has worked out for you because you've busted your ass and you've made some contacts and you figure out what you want to do and all that stuff. But, mm-hmm. but I, but I, I can see how that, that is a major problem um, because of, of just that whirlwind cycle that, that people get on with, with their careers and, and these sports careers. It's, it's crazy kind of. Yeah, yeah, you said it. And and that's the other thing that I, I think, you know, general public will never realize is, you know, once you're swept up into that wave of the professional life in your late teens, early 20s, and whatever sport it is that you're involved in, um, you know, it, it's a very different dynamic, and it's very hyper focused. So, you know, for me, it was like snowboarding is life for like I said, you know, 20 years from when I was 15 to 25, 26, 27, 28. And, um, you know, outside of that, you know, here I was learning all these things about marketing, branding, product development, um, you know, business ownership kind of skills, but I didn't have, when it was all said and done, have the ability to really articulate that, um, and advocate for myself to other people moving mm-hmm. forward. So that that's where I found my biggest uh, hurdle, I guess, kind of getting over the, the pro sports thing into real world um, type scenarios, because, you know, I, I just had a hard time conveying all those skills and all those attributes that I had learned throughout my career. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and again, I think a lot of people have a very, um, you know, they, they have a misconception as to, oh, well, you're just an athlete, you know, you just are a physical specimen who does this and does that. And they, they don't understand that, like, no, I'm doing all this PR stuff. I'm doing all this brand management stuff for myself. I'm doing all this, um, you know, people managing, schedule managing, all these, all these things that really do cater to almost anything you do in this life. And, you know, people just had a hard time understanding those skills. Um, and, and, you know, people, I mean, I, I, had, I feel like I had a hard time being given a chance after that, because yeah. I think, again, there's, you know, there's two streets of people who 
think that I don't know anything, didn't do anything and was just good at snowboarding um, and don't have a brain. Um, and then there's the other people who think, oh, well, you know, he made a ton of money over right. the course of his career. So we can't pay him what he thinks he um, needs to be paid and like all these things. And it's, you know, those are all solvable by conversations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're either you know, underqualified like, or you're overqualified in their eyes or something. Right. I mean, it's right. Just, yeah. But, but have a conversation, you know, right. don't just shut a door on somebody just because you think a certain way. Um, and that goes for all these, um, you know, recovering professional athletes, um, and retired pro athletes is, you know, there, I think, again, there's this kind of, um, misconception that these guys have to make, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars right off the bat or millions of dollars if you're at that level. And, um, you know, if, if those guys find opportunities in that vein, if you're at that high, high, high level, that will keep them there. Um, you know, it's the guys in the mid and the lower level and the girls, especially the girls. I mean, Jesus, that's a whole nother topic of, you know, just complete unfairness, but we'll save that for another day. And, yeah. um, you know, they're just not getting the opportunities. Right. And, and so I, so you're on this clubhouse app, you are having these conversations and everybody's kind of relating to one another. Um, cause you think of like, I just think of like minor league baseball player, right. Who's been in the system for like, you know, to the age of 28 or something like that mm -hmm. for, out of high school. Right. So out of high school, yeah. right into the pros, you know, lower level pros, maybe climb the ladder to double a or something like that. But at the mm -hmm. age of 28, maybe just has to cash out. This dream isn't going to happen, but then, Oh crap. Now what? Right. And, and it's just like, and I, I think this story is yeah, incredibly, uh, unfortunately too common. And, and, uh, th there does almost seem like there needs to be some sort of, I don't know, council or like agency that, that can, you know, go beyond even clubhouse in discussions and actually, you know, practically apply real life skills into helping that transition. And, to you know, I don't, I don't know. It just seems like there is a huge opportunity here for, for so many people. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And, you know, one of the other difficulties of it all, too, is, you know, that all these pro athlete and entertainment agencies that are representing these people, too, you know, I mean, like, um, you know, and I, I really don't want to, like, throw people under the bus, but I, you know, I mentioned this in the last podcast that I did that mm -hmm. I, I believe that, you know, the agencies and the agents that represent the athletes have a fiduciary duty to those athletes who are, rep, you know, who they're representing that they need to at least to their best ability need to help athletes figure out a transition path post-career. Cause again, you know, these agents are benefiting hugely from their athlete, their clients. And when it's all said and done, you know, I, I, many, many people that I know were like, oh yeah, my agent just called and was like, yeah, I can't get any more deals for you. So we're probably just going to wrap this up, you know? And it's like, what? Yeah. No, no, you like, I still need your help. And I would like to continue this relationship. Like Get creative though, if you're an agent, right? I mean, there, yeah. you know, find sponsorship opportunities because like when, especially when somebody's like, x games gold medalist i mean my gosh put them on a panel put them on a speaking circuit put them on you know or whatever i mean there's right there can be opportunities if you're if you're savvy enough or have the time or you know bandwidth to to do that but some right. of these agents just like ah it's not worth it anymore whatever and then I, right. I see what you're saying yeah but then there's the huge agencies that represent the like mega talent you know like caa wasserman group um uh william morris like the the big, big agencies that have the resources and have the bandwidth to facilitate those kinds of things. So, and I, I do think that those athletes are probably better represented, but the smaller guys just yeah. don't have the ability. And again, you know, it's like we live in a world where it's every man for themselves. And, you know, if you see one of your top guys kind of now becoming a sinking ship and you have a new young talent who's kind of all the rage like right. on the one hand i for sure get it like don't get yeah. me wrong you know i yeah. get it you have to like make that shift but at the same time you know somebody who's 
helped yeah. <laughs> your career and, and all that sort of thing. And I, I just, man, it, it's, it's a, almost, it's almost just like an ethical responsibility or a moral one, you know, like, like have a compass or something, you know, it's not like, well, right. yeah. yeah, I don't and know. It's not yeah. like golf where you can play on a seniors or champions tour at the age of 50. It's like, it's not, there's no seniors tour in the snowboard half bike or, or whatever. Right. Right. There isn't, but there are consulting jobs, you know, yeah. and yeah. there are, there are, you know, avenues that I think people can get into, but it's, it's really difficult because everybody wants to be in it. Everybody who's not a snowboarder or even a casual snowboarder wants to be in it. Um, you I know. would think there would, I would think there'd be so many companies that would want that, like just, just for the cachet or just for the, you know, the, the brand recognition, right. Of just like having yeah. that person who's still a big name. And a lot of people still know because of what you did, like still, you know, have some clout and some, I don't know. Uh, it, yeah. It seems like you it, would think, and it, it happens a lot in the other bigger sports uh, very frequently, but for whatever reason, you know, in the, in the, snowboarding and, and action sport kind of world it's very few and far between yeah yeah um but with that said you are yeah. you are doing well you're in the you're in the real estate and and housing world up there in breckenridge colorado and and yep. you're, you're feeling good about that and things are working out for you the happy ending silver lining yeah yeah i mean again you know like it definitely took me years and years to kind of find my path um, you know, I took a handful of odd jobs and gap jobs and, you know, really kind of tested the waters in a couple of different industries and stuff. I, um, worked at an advertising agency for a couple of years. And then from that, I was, uh, actually, uh, reached out to and contracted, um, to help a, um, large brand glove company who did not have a, a very big following, but a lot of sales. And um, I was tasked with creating a new sub brand for them that would target and hit more of the freestyle skiers and snowboarders. And, you know, pretty much like knocked that whole thing out of the park. And then of course, you know, the world that we live in, I was on independent contractor deal rather than as a full employee and, you know, employee benefits or anything like that. So I, it was, you know, two years. And after my two years, they just were like, okay, thanks. You know, you did great, but blah, 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 whatever, yeah. you know, excuse, excuse. We're, we're going to discontinue this, uh, this project for a while until we can get our ducks in a row, such and such. Um, so then they let me go. And then I understood, um, literally months later, you know, they never actually canceled the program. They just didn't want to pay me. They just phased you out. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> they thought they could do it better for cheaper and whatever. Um, turns out, you know, the brand is, is still floating around, but has absolutely no legs, um, nothing behind it and whatever. Um, so then I found real estate and now, you know, I've been in real estate for about four and a half years and super happy with it. I feel like this is kind of my niche. Um, always been a big fan of, you know, housing and interior design and all the things surrounding the housing market and um, just kind of found a niche. And so now I'm working with uh, Live Sotheby's here in Breckenridge, Colorado. Um, I specialize obviously, and, you know, kind of vacation properties, um, second home properties and rental market um, investment type stuff for people who are out of state, out of town and um, want income producing properties. So where, where, where can people reach you, Steve? Where, where are you on Instagram? Uh, yeah, you can obviously hit me up on Instagram at Steve Fisher Mountain Homes. Um, you know, look it up, same name on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Stephen H. Fisher. Um, and, you know, I'm actually working on developing a website right now that uh, I will have hopefully live in the next couple of months. I don't have a domain name yet. I'm tossing around a couple of different things. But, um, you know, the other thing that I've started from real estate is I uh, took on a few partners and we started a uh, design and build a uh, company called Range Design Company. And we um, build and sell spec homes. So we have our first project that uh, is closing 
this summer in uh, early July. And, you know, again, we kind of knocked that whole thing out of the park as far as a, a design concept and execution being on budget and um, on time within 12 months, which is, uh, you know, very tremendously difficult to do. And we have happy buyers already lined up and everything's all, all set to go. So yeah, things are good. Uh, like I said, I, I really, you know, feel like I kind of found my niche and connected with the right networking group and things are all good. And you're living in Breckenridge for crying out loud. So it's, yeah. it's, it's really all good. No, it's, yeah. that's, that's good. I'm happy for you. I'm glad things are working out. I, I would, I would encourage you to continue these conversations though on clubhouse or wherever else, Steve, because I, I, do, I do think you're onto something here. Um, and, and that, it, that it's something that kind of needs to be addressed on, on a wider scale for so many, so many athletes. Um, and as you said, the, the women too, for crying out loud, because yeah. there's some huge disparities there in that world too. So keep it going, man. Uh, great catching up to you and, uh, and we'll see you on the slope sometime. That'll do it for this episode of Perkett Pod. We want to thank our partners, Audio Wiz, Justin Bailey, theme song by Taylor Robert. Keep listening weekly for another episode with Minnesota sports influencers and icons on Perkett Pod. Feel free to share this podcast. Give us a simple subscribe click. It doesn't cost you a thing. Heart us, rate us, double tap us, whatever you want. And until next time, remember, shine bright. Don't be afraid to be weird and open your hearts to inclusion. Peace. Perk and Pond, sometimes he's at play. Perk and Pond, find out what he'll say. Perk and Pond, who's coming?